Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to Lake Kick is live. It is Sunday night, July 17th, the year of our Lord, 2022. It's only right that you should play it the way that you feel it. Listen carefully to the sound. It's Fleetwood Mac in 1977. As it turns out, singing about college football and NIL. We will discuss momentarily. We're jam-packed, high atop a jubilant and warm downtown Nashville, Tennessee. I'm headed out of here about the time I say goodbye tonight and headed to Atlanta for SEC Media Days. We'll be, we'll be live there Monday and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, so make sure you check the channel, because we're not starting at our normal start time. But that's in the future. Tonight, there are some things, now that we can look out on the NIL horizon a little bit, that could be brewing, and that could be troublesome, and it may not be where your attention has been directed by the casual crowd out there. So stay tuned. We're going to dive into that in just a little bit. It's, it's an opportunity for me to share some of the things that I've heard over the past few months. Speaking of hearing some things, what's going on with Georgia recruiting? Even today, what's going on with Georgia recruiting? We will discuss that. Chapter 25 of Bold Predictions is upon us. And also, Mike Gundy just choosing to speak for pretty much every one of us. Not a headline I thought I'd be reading tonight, but there it is. We are happy to have you with us. They're watching in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, Izmir, Turkey. They've asked for a shout out. Our friends in Turkey for about a month got it to them finally. Naples, Florida, Joplin, Missouri. Boy, we're jam-packed. We're going to be jam-packed all week. Uh, we opened the Late Kick store the other day, and we had to close it in like 20 minutes because you basically drained the entire thing. So details on the back end of the show about when we're going to reopen. It will happen imminently. And also, several of you, dozens of you reached out about a family I told you we needed to help the other night. We no longer need to help that family. Uh, they've, they've hit that goal, and so I knew you'd come through. I appreciate that. We don't do that very often, but I... Felt like we, as an audience, needed to step up, and we did. So from them, through me, to you, thank you for that. Let's dive into the show tonight. We got a growing issue we need to talk about. So I think everyone's got an opinion on NIL. Now, it could be wide in range. It could be that you like it, you don't like it, but there's a lot of stuff that we need to skip past tonight. So I'm not here to litigate NIL. I'm not here to talk about my opinion about what I do and don't like about it, because I, I think we got some trouble brewing here, but I don't think it's obvious. So let's get past the whole pros and cons. I mean, the cons are, yeah, people are out there breaking the rules. They're using it as a recruiting inducement. Cool, but that didn't break in the last 48 hours. If we knew that Thursday, we know it today. And the same thing on the other side. There are obvious pros to NIL. In fact, when you do it right, vast majority of coaches I've spoken to are for it, even some who get labeled as being anti-NIL. Yet players can finally make money in their, in their highest prime earning years off of their own likeness. Yes, that's a good thing. Let's get past all that, though. There are some things popping up. Uh, this is the most valuable time of year for me because in June and July, that's when coaches go on vacation, and that's when they're most accessible. That's when you can talk to them. So over the past couple of months about this issue and some other issues, I've talked to as many coaches, as many directors of player personnel, football operations guys, recruiting coordinators as I possibly can about this very issue. 
And what I found is interesting, and I can share some of it, not attributing names or whatnot, but I can share a lot of what's been shared with me tonight. So here's the problem. The problem is not so much as, as they see it through NIL itself. It's a lot of the mechanisms of NIL, but there's a specific mechanism that you've only just started to hear about, probably through rumors about Jordan Addison at USC that you're going to hear a whole lot more about. I'm not singling any player out tonight. I'm not singling any program or coach out tonight. That's not what this is about. It's meant to be very much a zoomed out 50,000 foot view. But there are different camps on NIL. When you talk to coaches, there are very different camps. But what I found is a huge swath of the coaches that you speak to off the record say the single biggest theme is not the amount of money being thrown around or the amount of money that is in a collective or whatnot. It's the amount of promises being thrown around that are not founded in reality. There are a lot of things out there being promised by certain programs that really aren't rooted in anything guaranteed. Now, you may think to yourself, well, okay, that's not on the program though. That's on the kid to see through. Really? That's on the, that's on the high school kid to see through? Also, consider this. In some cases, we got kids coming out of the portal who are burning their one-time penalty-free transfer. So if they take the bait, and then someone doesn't follow through on that end, what recourse do they have? They want to transfer again. They either got to get that waiver, which is somewhat unlikely, or they got to sit out a year. As it turns out, and I know this is going to come as a shock to a lot of people, but as it turns out, 17-year-olds representing themselves or 17-year-old high school kids being represented by parents or guardians or folks who are ill-equipped to negotiate a contract are prime candidates to be manipulated. I know that's a surprise, but that's reality. And also, as it turns out, there are a lot of guarantees being thrown around out there, a lot of dollar figures, a lot of inducements out there being dangled in front of people's faces they don't really have to deliver on because of language and wording. And there's, there's a lot being promised. There's far less of it being guaranteed. How does this affect college football, though? Because like a lot of folks have a problem in general with what I'm talking about. If you find out a kid's being promised something and then that school, once they get them on campus, throws away the lock and key and says, all right, we got you now. Nothing you can do about it. You want to transfer? That looks bad on you, not us. Uh, yeah, I, I get how you could have a problem with that. But look, how does this affect the sport as a whole? Because if you've got a problem with that, you want to know how it's going to get rectified, right? Well, I think the answer here could be pretty simple. The answer could be as simple as just sit back and watch. That's the, that's the cheapest and most effective method that anyone could go about trying to solve a problem. If someone tells you you got a problem, just sit back in that chair and watch. No one has any problem doing that. That's easy. What do I mean by that? Well, right now, 17-year-old kids are not equipped to negotiate contracts, as it turns out. And a lot of folks representing them, they're not equipped. And they're signing their names on papers and signing away things they don't even know they're signing away. And on the other side, you got folks licking their chops who have been doing this 20 or 30 years saying, got him, got him. Well, do you? Because the quickest way to fracture a locker room is not a few kids having a bunch of money. The quickest way to fracture a locker room is a few kids being promised a bunch of money and then not getting that money. And that's going to happen. It's no guess. This is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Because this practice is too frequently being put into place across the landscape of major college football recruiting. Because a lot of folks scrambled when NIL got here. Some folks had their act together. Some other folks didn't have their act together so much, but knew they didn't want to fall behind. So what'd they start doing? They started saying, by any means necessary. And by any means necessary means not having your ducks in a row, but going and taking advantage of some kids that don't know the difference 
and you get them on campus, whereas you otherwise would have finished a distant third or fourth in their recruitment, and they're not there for an emotional attachment reason. They're there for a transactional reason. You promised them more than anyone else, and now they're there. This used to be stuff you had to whisper about in college football or couldn't talk about on the record. This is the NIL era. We can talk about it. How do you fix it? Because this sounds like a problem, right? That needs to be fixed. A lot of kids being victimized out there and taken advantage of, and a lot of promises that are baseless. Maybe you just sit back. Because this is going to happen. This is going to fracture a locker room. Can you imagine a kid going to school A? Can you imagine if I were running Pate State this way, and we brought a linebacker in, and that kid, it's either by me illegally using as an inducement, or by my collective over here, somewhat above board going about it, but kind of using trickery and language to get you in here thinking you got a $3 million earnings coming towards you over the next three, four years. And all of a sudden you find out actually there's several qualifiers on that, that once I get onto page 17 of my contract, I would have found out, but that's a nine syllable word. I don't even know what that means. My mom said it was okay to sign. Well, your mom's never negotiated a talent contract, has she? No, because she works a regular nine to five like most moms do but she entered into it. What's gonna happen is there will be some high profile examples. It won't take long for this to leak out. I'm telling you it's coming in the next year or two. There are gonna be some high profile examples of kids who get burned. And it may even be that on the other side of that transaction, there are people who can hold up a piece of paper saying, you signed it, you signed it. That's not going to go over well because everyone in that transaction, as well as the general public knows, you signed it really just means you put a bunch of language in a contract, a kid really had no clue what it meant, and you tricked them into signing it, because what else were they going to do? And when that happens, you'll have some kids start to move in the portal, especially if they came from the high school ranks or they haven't burned their transfer yet. They'll come, they'll find out what the real deal is, they'll leave, and they'll talk. And some of them are already doing it, infinitely more of them are going to do it, and all of a sudden, you'll find out that the book gets out on Program X or Program Y or Coach X or Coach Y, assistants and head coaches. And all of a sudden, you'll see reputations start to develop around certain programs that use those sorts of practices. You will also be able to accurately negatively recruit against it. I can tell you for a fact right now, there's some programs out there that have already gotten wind of other programs doing this. Now, right now, it sounds like sour grapes or desperation. Right now, if I'm at Pate State and my rival over here you of management, for example, is out there offering really non-guaranteed NIL deals that look really impressive until you read the fine print, I can tell you, God, that's not guaranteed if you go over there. But you can look back at me and say, okay, what are you guaranteeing me? And if I look at you and say, I'm guaranteeing you an opportunity, and at Pate State, we play on the biggest networks, we play in the biggest environments, so you're gonna be able to maximize your exposure, and if you follow through on your end of the deal, and build your brand accordingly, there will be value. And then you can, you can profit off that value once you're here. That's boring. That's, that's not nearly as big a carrot on the end of the stick as what you have management over there. Henceforth, our rival at Pate State. I think it sounds good. You have met, workshop that, Jesse. You have management. What if a few kids fall for that? And a few kids find out the real deal, which they're in the process of doing now. I can promise you that's happening. And then they... Um, they get turned off by it, which they will. It's in the process of happening. And then when they're on the move, they're not really so bashful anymore about explaining to you exactly why they're transferring. Here's where the transactional nature of this is going to end up biting people. Right now, if you're using those sorts of grandiose potential earnings figures to draw a kid in and they fall for it, 
they're pro unless they end up being all world, they're going to find out I'm not going to earn all those dollars that they indicated I could. Here's the problem. If I grew up in Snellville, Georgia, let's say, and I was always going to go to Georgia Tech, I'm just pulling random schools out of my hat here, and I was always going to go to Georgia Tech, man, I don't have much incentive to leave, even if things fall through in the NIL. But if I'm from Snellville, Georgia, and I go 2,500 miles away from home due solely to the dollar figure or equivalent thereof that was put in front of me as a potential earnings, and I find out 2,500 miles away from home as I'm brutally homesick, and I miss all my buddies, I'm not going to earn that. I'm out. I have no emotional attachment to your program. You brought me in, and my attachment is strictly transactional. That Velcro is not very strong. You know, if I got an emotional attachment, it's really got to go sideways for me to leave. Not if I came there because of NIL. So the chemistry in the locker room, like a lot of folks talked about, remember this? A lot of folks talked about this early on in NIL. They said, Oh man, a few of these kids. Ooh, I, I know you remember this. Early on in NIL, people said, Ooh, these few kids who are earning a lot of money, they're going to come in the locker room. Their teammates are going to be rubbed the wrong way because they're earning this and we're not earning that. And that's going to fracture the locker room. That's not nearly going to fracture a locker room like the big earner kid walking in, not immediately starting, finding out there's language in his contract he never even understood the language of in the first place that says, You only get this if you're starting. That is how you sour a locker room. That will happen because there are some programs out there, the only way they're getting by and the only way they're recruiting at as high a level as they are is to traffic in that kind of practice. So pay attention. It won't be hard to figure out. I told you I'm not here tonight, not doing this segment, pointing out individual teams. I even told the staff, don't show specific B-roll of specific schools. Just use generic stuff. Because the other side of this is I'm not trying to paint anyone as evil. I truly think that some people just got caught off guard with how quickly we transitioned into the NIL era, really. They did not have a solid foundational plan, and they panicked. And I still think a lot of people are using panic protocol in NIL. Hopefully, it changes. They're going to have to find out one way or the other. Hopefully, it changes. But that's what's happening right now. That's the big problem on the horizon. It's not some kids earning. It's not haves and have-nots. It's Promises being made or at least suggested that won't be followed through on. What's your recourse? We're going to find out. We only have, what is it, like six weeks until the season starts. And so there's, there's precious little time for you to get out there with your loved ones. If you're like us, if you roll with us and your Saturdays are off limits and Sundays are either in, they're NFL, church, a combination of all the above, listen, fall's about to be booked. Don't even think about inviting us to weddings. But right now, we still got some open time. And so I would, I would invite you to cherish every one of these weekends right after you stop by Academy Sports and Outdoors because whatever you're going to do, hopefully outdoors, probably requires you to gear up a little bit. I don't care if it's a kayak. I don't care if it's a golf bag. I don't care if it's a basketball. You need to stop by Academy Sports and Outdoors before you fulfill on whatever you want to fill these final Saturdays with. Academy Sports and Outdoors is our exclusive partner here. You know we love them like we love oxygen, and we would have it no other way. If you can't get there in person, academy.com has your hookup. So Academy Sports and Outdoors, we say it's your one-stop shop for everything in life. I can safely tell you all of your outdoor sporting goods needs. It's there. Grills, what a selection of grills. They got everything you need. So Academy Sports and Outdoors, that is your hookup. Also, since you guys are here, we don't use a teleprompter on the show. 
I think we've used it like twice, and this is one of them. And here's what it says <clears throat> from, from producer Jesse. Remember to ask people to like the channel and subscribe. The end. Guys, would you please like the channel and subscribe on a related note? I got you, Jesse. Jesse, let me tell you the gall of this guy. It would probably be better, as it turns out, that he didn't exist. Jesse takes to sending me fashion advice via TikTok videos the other day. And I look at it and I say, is he serious about this? Jesse's sending me fashion advice. Uh, Jesse is not here for the record. CBS does not pay Jesse to give me fashion advice. CBS pays Jesse to be my friend. And a distant second is produce the show. And that's it. So for the first time yesterday, I find myself thinking, maybe they're right. Maybe it's better sometimes he's not around here. Maybe he should be a ghost. I am glad you guys are here, though. Bold Predictions Chapter 25 literally could not happen without you. These are the predictions you would back up with your own hard-earned money, or so you say. Let's start it off in the state of Texas. This one, this one's from Footballaholic. Now, I want to ignore the last part because we don't predict injuries. But this first part's bold enough. Quinn Ewers will not start until week six. And Hudson Card only gets dethroned there, he says, due to injury. I'm not going to predict injuries. Let's just say, though, Quinn Ewers is not the starting quarterback at Texas to start the year. Out of Steve Sarkeesian's own mouth at Big 12 Media Days last week, he pretty much told you this is a nine on the boldness scale. At least he said something to the effect of we haven't decided who our starting quarterback is yet, but we're not going to wait nearly as long as we did last year. Allow me to translate. We've decided who our starting quarterback is going to be. And we want Hudson Card to stick around, so we're going to paint the illusion of competition into fall camp. Uh, Quinn Ewers is your starter, unless he gets hurt. Now, think about this. Let's just say, for argument's sake, you're right. And let's say Quinn Ewers doesn't have this job locked down. We've still got the whole Bama conundrum here in the corner of the room uh, that is, I guess it's kind of the proverbial elephant in the room. The Bama conundrum goes a little something like this. If Hudson Card wins this job. They play Bama in week two. If Texas is good enough with Hudson Card at quarterback to beat Alabama, he's not getting benched in week six. If he was good enough to do that. He's good enough to do anything they need him to do. Secondly, if he's not good enough to beat Bama, that's probably the game where Bama gets up on him. And then you see Quinn Ewers come in the game. And at that point, I can guarantee you either UTSA, Texas Tech, West Virginia, one of those games, Quinn Ewers is going to start. This is all a moot point. We're wasting time because Quinn Ewers will start. But if he doesn't, the Bama game in week two, I think, would be the time where he did. little message sent there. So that's a nine on the boldness scale. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Next up, we got another, this is an eight and a half for me on the boldness scale. Bo Newton, really familiar name, a couple of them actually. He said, Auburn, in parentheses, FPI's number 11 team in the country, L-O-L-O-L, my letters, not his. He continues, Auburn wins nine plus games this year. Well, this is an eight and a half on the boldness scale. Let's start with the over-under win total. It's six. Now let's look at the schedule. And uh, you see the odds to win the title. Oh, my goodness. Auburn is, uh, have we ever said plus 12,500 to win anything? No, we haven't. But that is the current number next to Auburn to win the SEC championship. Here's what we'll do for time's sake. I'm going to give Auburn Mercer, San Jose State, Western Kentucky, 3-0. I got no problem seeding that to you. Here's the problem. In order to reach nine wins, they're going to have to go six and three against these teams. Penn State, Missouri, LSU, at Georgia, at Ole Miss, Arkansas, at Mississippi State, A&M, at Alabama. They're not going to be favored in very many of those. That's not the end of the world. People have pulled up sets before them, but you're going to have to win six of those games. I had stats and info run the numbers. That is 66.6% of the remaining games Auburn's going to have to win. And it's not like it's impossible. And people who know the history of Auburn football would be the first ones to tell you, the years you expect the least, they do the most. I get it, man. I grew up in Columbus. You can practically hear the echo of the stadium where I grew up. But where are their edges? You've got to find me something. Tank Bigsby, phenomenal football player. You are not using Wisconsin methodology to get past six of these nine teams. A couple of them maybe just hand a game to you. And you run the ball at a, at a 70-30 clip to the amount of times you throw it. And that may be how you win a couple of games. They're not winning six of the remaining games that way. So what else do you have? Do you have an edge at quarterback that I don't know about? Uh, do you have that wide receiver group performing at a level that may be above and beyond what I expect them to do? Is there, is there some other edge that you're taking into these games? I got a problem finding it. And that's why I can't go this high. So I'm saying Auburn winning nine or more games, that is an eight and a half on the boldness scale. And it's only that low because. I know the history of Auburn football. Next up, let's go to Morgantown, West Virginia. Mitch said, West Virginia's over-under is five and a half wins. I'm hammering that over with confidence. In fact, my bold prediction is if the line was seven, I'd still take the over. Well then, that gives us something to chew on here. And he kept going talking about the personnel there. This team is one of our pop candidates. We haven't done our pop preview yet, which in our world stands for proof of performance. But in late kick terminology, this means a team that could be a firecracker team this year. It's because if there are a couple of things that happen for them, it's kind of like the old Coke bottle. It could be flat or it could be shaken up and ready to go all over the place. And you don't really know until you twist the top. Uh, West Virginia, man, they could be fizzed up. They could be ready to go. They won six games last year. A lot's changed, though. So if you were to crack open a preview magazine, I imagine they're talking about how unproven they are in the secondary, which they are. And maybe even quarterback. JT Daniels has come in there. So that's one of the biggest transfers in the quarterback market that you saw. But what I want to remind you is, like I said, they won six games last year. There's a difference in being thin and just being unproven. Reading a lot of what Neil Brown has said up there over the past few months, I don't think they lack confidence in the personnel they have in the secondary. Some places when you lose the amount of talent they have, and you just don't have anything to replace it, you lack confidence. No, they lack cohesion. They lack you know, proven production 
at West Virginia. They don't lack talent, though. So, you know, the big challenge is, okay, talented teams have struggled before. How do we turn this into a unit? Well, that's the first thing to watch when they play Pitt to open the season. But the second thing is JT Daniels at quarterback playing behind a good offensive line, got good skill talent out wide. So he's not coming in there having to shoulder a vast majority of the load like maybe you would have on prior West Virginia teams. I'm saying all that to say, I don't think this is bold. They, don't have the, they never have an easy schedule because every road game they have in conference is minimum 1,000 miles, which is ludicrous. Welcome to 2022, though. But I still think, yeah, I, I agree with you. They're going to go over seven wins. I happen to have this team circled as a little bit of a pop team. So I like that. It's only a five on the boldness scale for me. However, I cannot stay that low on the boldness scale for the next prediction. Because the next prediction takes us to Lawrence, Kansas. Will said Kansas is going to make a bowl game this year. That includes a win over Kansas State. I'm not even going to acknowledge the second part because the first part was plenty bold enough. This is a nine and a quarter. So it's the boldest prediction we have. Actually, the next one's even bolder than that. We got a bunch of boldness tonight. I'm going to go nine and a quarter on this. Kansas making a bowl game. I want to read a list for you because there could be two things that are true here. It could be true that Kansas is noticeably improved this year and also well short of bowl eligibility. Listen to this list. Play the Sarah McLaughlin music in the background if you have it. Two, zero, three, three, one, two, zero, three, three, one, two, three, five. That would be the win totals over the past 13 years for Kansas football. You got to go back to 09 before you find a year where they got halfway to bowl eligibility. You talk about a ground up rebuild. This is the definition of it. I have, I actually have confidence in them hitting the over this year, which I think is at two and a half. I got confidence in that. I don't think people are fully appreciating what a four-win season at Kansas this year would mean. It would mean a lot, a whole heck of a lot. And it could be that they're elevating eventually to respectability in Kansas terms, like we haven't seen since the latter part of the 2000s. But guys, I just wanted to read that list to you, not to knock Kansas. I mean, the Wikipedia page does that for me. I wanted to read that list to let you know there could be quantum leaps of improvement this year and them finish two games below bowl eligibility. So I don't think they're going bowling. Also, they're out of conference. Takes them to Houston? I got Duke coming in there. That Duke-Kansas game. Mmm, on the gridiron. But I, I, don't, I can't go that far. I wish I could. Well, listen, there's no, no prediction out of the five tonight. I'd love to be wrong on more than Kansas. Kansas feels like the kind of team that we as as a collective, not NIL, could hitch our wagon to. I would love nothing more than to find ourselves in mid-November pulling for Kansas, like one of those major league type situations. They're coming up from the, from the grave and everyone's left them for dead, but then all of a sudden here they go on a late season run and it's just all of a sudden the world starts to take notice and the world's attention of college football, at least, is on Lawrence, Kansas. I love that. I don't think we're seeing that this year. Don't lose hope. I just don't think we're seeing that this year. Last one, and maybe you haven't noticed this, but uh, Fregan Pist, what easily the best name we've had tonight so far. Uh, Fregan, Mr. Fregan, said after signing the number one class last year, Texas A&M will not land in the top 20 for this cycle. This is a 9.5. But if you looked at the team recruiting rankings right now, you got to scroll quite a ways before you find Jimbo Fisher. 
in Texas A&M. You know why? Because they're ranked 60th, or at least they were as of an hour ago. But what do we think about that? Well, what I think is it's really early. I think that they've got five total commits. Average recruit is ranked 90.79. All I think is December, it's going to be very active again for the Aggies. That's what I think. So this is, this is boldness bordering on insane. They're going to be top 20. I went and looked last year just for a comparative data point. If you were to go to the 20th ranked class last year, that was Florida State, and they finished with an overall class rating of 229.46. I don't believe A&M is going to be in the 220s or the 230s or the 240s. I think they'll be well north of 250, and therefore I think they'll be squarely inside the top 15, if not inside the top 10. I just think they're going to move a whole lot later. And think about how they finished last year and what kind of confidence they probably have. They probably sat around afterwards, kind of a little post-mortem, after last year's class and said, now that we got this weapon in our back pocket, we can move whenever we want to. I mean, we'd love to take kids in July, but you know what? Let's, let's fine-tune our filters a little bit, and let's take a little more time. Hey, let's eval some kids early in their senior year. What a, what a, what a bold um, approach that is these days. Let's do that because we can, because we're A&M. They're going to move. They'll be a big mover. Uh, they, it, would, it would surprise me a lot more if they were outside the top 20 than it will be if they're inside the top 10. I'll put it out there like that. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that made sense. Bold predictions. 25th chapter tonight. Good for us and good for bold predictions. They're watching us in Matthews, North Carolina. They're tuned in in Ohio City, Ohio, and Huntsville, Alabama a.k.a. the Rocket City. I, uh, I appreciate you guys being tuned in live, too. You know, I, I had a little situation the other day where we had to close the Lake Kick store down because, well, we, um, we couldn't keep it open for, for reasons related to you. It's a good problem to have. But I figured we're going to reopen that thing eventually. question is when. And I'm not necessarily ready to tell you when, but I am telling you, we've got live shows every night this week. And people who tune in live, I think, deserve a little extra pat on the back. So what if, just for argument's sake, we decide to reopen that thing and we wait to do it during one of our live shows and the first group that gets the heads up is the group that's watching live. It's well within our control. We have the power to do it. So I think I just made that executive decision. Yes. Okay. Gavel down. That's the way we'll do it. So one of these shows this week, we're reopening that bad boy. And I can't guarantee how long it's going to stay open because I was uh, blown like back against a wall with how much volume we did when we had it open for like 17 minutes the other day. That's that. So thank you for being tuned in. Okay. I've got to talk to you a second about something I didn't think I was going to be talking about tonight. Georgia recruiting. Specifically, what's up with it? And to remind you about what's supposed to happen. After you win a national championship, especially if you're on a staff like Georgia, which is already known to be one of the most relentless recruiting staffs in America, that follow-up cycle after you win a title, especially if it's the first one you've won in several generations, that's supposed to be the crescendo. That's supposed to be where you just slaughter everything in your path on the recruiting trail. That's how it's supposed to work. But there's a very interesting dynamic that has worked its way into Athens GA right now. There's another phrase, though, 
that I want you to remember that if you've watched Late Kick or listened to our show for quite a while, you already are familiar with, and that phrase is the consequences of success. We hit that thing a lot, but it's reared its ugly head again. So what's happened? Why am I talking about this? Well, a few hours ago, Justice Hayes committed, not to Georgia, but to Alabama. Who is he? He is a four-star running back out of Buford, home of the Wolves, played him many times in my days at Harris County High School, or as some of you would call it, Harassment County. Not me, but some. Uh, Justice Hayes shocked a lot of people today, quite frankly, committing to Alabama. Let's just go ahead and follow it up, because I know what's coming. Oh, it's only July. Oh, he could always decommit. Okay, got it. We, we, we all understand. We're all adults here. We all understand. Here's a bold prediction for you. He's not going to decommit. I'll put that out there, and anyone who wants to challenge that monetarily, see me on the side. So, the news today, Justice Haynes, four-star running back out of Buford, Georgia, commits to Alabama. A lot of folks in Bulldog circles thought they led for him. Not only that, he goes on the record a little bit later today to multiple people saying Ohio State finished runner-up. So make of that what you will. The reason I'm bringing it up is because this is not isolated, this cycle. And unlike some folks who will just sit here and yell about it and say, Kirby sucks, they've let their foot off the gas, yada, yada, yada. It's none of that. There are very specific reasons uh, that I can gather from talking to several people today as to why this may be happening. Now, when I say people, I don't mean Jethro down in Sylvester, who I respect. I love Jethro, but he doesn't really know the inner workings of Georgia recruiting. There are very few people who do. I've reached out to as many people as I could who do have that access and some high school folks around Georgia. So I want to give you a little behind the curtain on what's being said. And it didn't start today, but it kind of had the volume turned up on it today. And let me give you a little backstory before we go down this road. So this was a big surprise, like I said, to a lot of folks. I saw Rusty and Kip over on the Dogs 24-7 board. They were surprised by it. I assume the Georgia staff was surprised by it, although I can't confirm that. But this comes on the heels of a lot of crystal ball attention shifting towards Alabama for Caleb Downs. Caleb Downs is our current 10th rated player in the country. Could change tomorrow. There are a ton of rankings updates. I'm going to tell you about it at the end of the show coming tomorrow. But Caleb Downs is a five-star caliber guy. Uh, he's out of the state of Georgia. And it looks for all the world like Alabama has the momentum in that recruitment right now. Uh, Georgia, as far as their 2023 running back recruiting goes, I'll just echo what Rusty said. I don't really particularly know what direction they're going to go. There's another four-star running back out of Florida, kind of in the Fort Myers area, named Richard Young. I think Georgia's on the outside looking in for him after talking to some folks today. Uh, but it is Georgia, and it is July, and it is the running back position. So this alone is not worth, you know, finding the tallest building and yelling, I'll jump on. That's not the point. The point is to draw you back to some of the feedback I got today and to remind you that phrase consequences of success. This, this huge misnomer out there is that once a program like Georgia gets to the mountaintop, it's just smooth sailing and the, the seas have parted and it's not going to be easy, but the entire sport is set up for them to dominate. That's not the way this works. It's just, even for Georgia, that's not the way this works. So let me, let me give you a little behind the scenes. Some of the Georgia folks will know this, but I don't think 99% of you do. Kirby Smart and Georgia are so good, they can choose their recruiting strategy. Hardly anyone else has this luxury. They can choose to recruit talent-rich Georgia, or they can choose to go totally national, or they can choose to blend a little bit of both, 
But when you make that decision, especially if you go the direction Kirby and company have, there will be a price that has to be paid. They've chosen to go national. They recruit Georgia. But you go back and look over the past few cycles. Look at the top 10 players in Georgia. And look at how many of them that are very good. Some of them playing on Sundays now are about to be that they haven't landed. Sometimes it's just because a kid wanted to leave. It's a transient state. I get that. I grew up there. But other times it's because they passed. You want me to illustrate that? Will Anderson should have been a Heisman finalist last year and is probably the best player in college football right now at Alabama. Will Anderson's from Hampton, Georgia. Georgia passed him over. Georgia could have pursued him, and they did not early on in his recruitment. There are several reasons for that, but they didn't. Jordan Battle, starting safety at Alabama, probably also projects as a first-day NFL guy or maybe round-two NFL guy. He's from Tyrone, Georgia. They passed on him. Jameer Gibbs, who went on to start at Georgia Tech and is now going to probably start at running back for Alabama this year. You notice that Alabama theme crossing that Chattahoochee River. Jameer Gibbs, Georgia didn't pursue him. They passed on him. There's a lot of elite talent that they've passed on. Georgia has not hurt in recruiting. I'm not saying shame on Georgia for passing on Will Anderson and then being terrible in recruiting. No, you know as well as I do. Dude. Georgia's been finishing top five every year. Georgia's finished number one a couple of times. There's a price to be paid for the strategy. This is what a lot of folks back in the state of Georgia are talking about right now. And this is what some of the high school coaches are talking about right now. Some of the handlers, which is a word I don't like using a lot because I have to take a shower after I say it. Some of the handlers are talking about this. I'm just being real with you. People see when Georgia chooses to go out of state over very viable in-state kids. Some staffs out there actually take the approach of taking some in-state kids that they don't have evaled quite as high as some out-of-state kids just because they don't want to start that drip, drip, drip that turns into a steady stream one cycle or two cycles down the road. Uh, there may be a kid at Buford one or two cycles ago that you take. That's a fringe take. He's like 24, 25, but you take him because you know you got Haynes down the road. Some staffs choose to do it that way. Kirby and his staff have not. Kirby Smart's one of the best recruiters in America. Total assassin. That's one of the best recruiting operations. They, they're relentless about it. But it's not without potential pitfalls, is what I'm saying. So that's what's happening with them right now. And that's why you're not seeing that huge tidal wave of recruiting momentum and success thus far in this cycle. Now, make no mistake, uh, what this is not is time to freak out because it's July and they're ranked, I think, sixth right now. So they've got very, very first world problems there, but they're not recruiting the way that I would expect them to. They're not recruiting the way they probably expected to this cycle. I, I, they probably expected to completely and totally knock every domino down they wanted to. It just hasn't happened that way. Uh, they're getting beat. They're getting beat in their own state for some kids. And I don't think it's just because someone dropped the ball this cycle. I don't think it's a case of people dropping the ball at all. I think it's a case of ramifications of a recruiting strategy. Now, I'll also tell you something else. I don't think this is the best recruiting staff Kirby's ever had there, nor the best staff he will have in seasons moving forward. I think you'll see some changes there. You got what you got right now. I'm saying two years from now, I think there will have been significant turnover on this staff. That's happening all the time. The second thing is, I think two years from now, there'll be a different approach to NIL than there is at Georgia right now. I don't think they've been as aggressive on that. I don't think they've been nearly as aggressive on that. Now, the reasons could be multiple in nature, but I think there are some other programs out there far more aggressive on NIL than Georgia. So these are just a couple of things that are being said around the Peach State, 
driving down there later tonight after the show, that um, can probably answer a little bit of your question as to why does Georgia look, eh, not, not, not bad, but they just look a little off right now. Well, that's what's happening. I don't think it's done. I think there are some other big names they're going to miss on. They'll, they'll finish with a very solid class. I, I think they'll close really strong. They may end up being top five again. But it's not going to be the kind of class that you would expect following the first championship since the early 80s. That's not probably in the cards this cycle. What I don't know, to wrap it up there, what I don't know is what that coaching staff thinks when they look at it. it really, Kirby Smart's all I care about. When he looks at what's happening right now, does he think we got some issues or does he think I'm willing to swallow that? I'm doing, I'm doing it the way I want to do it. We, have cert- we just won a national title five minutes ago and we had players from all over America littered all over that roster. So my approach works. I've got proof of production there. It works. If we lose a kid every now and then from this state, even if he goes to Alabama, so be it. I'm not changing my approach. Does he feel that way? Or does he say, I don't like this. Let's take a second look at this. That I can't tell you. Because Kirby Smart's not the kind of guy who shares his uh, philosophical recruiting leanings with very many people. Who knows? Maybe we'll bump into him this week at SEC Media Days. He'll just pull us off to the side. We'll talk 25 minutes about it. If he does, I'll be the first to let you know. All right, uh, I, I have to play something for you, and then I have to remind you of some things. I was, um, I, was, I was perusing the old Twitter sphere today and asked, what did you think of Mike Gundy's comments during Big 12 Media Day? I think some of you saw this already, but I bet far more of you didn't. I think it's worth playing. So it's about 40 seconds. We normally shy away from the, the longer sound bites. This is worth it, and I'm going to tell you why it's worth it. Because I guarantee you, if you haven't heard this yet, knowing our audience like I do, a vast majority of you, about 20 or 30 seconds into this thing, are going to be nodding your head so violently and just saying, thank you, you'll probably miss the final 10 seconds. So, Colin, let's roll it. This is Mike Gundy at Big 12 Media Days. The geographical locations of conferences and traditions of college football are gone, and more so now than they were two weeks ago, right? We see that. So you adapt and change and deal with it or you get out of the game if you don't think you like it. If you're old school, I'm a little old school, but I can adjust and make changes based on it's not going to go away. This is a big business now. When conference alignment started a year ago, whenever it started jumping, there was a lot of people that were unhappy. But those people aren't the ones that are making the decisions at the top. And so the ones making the decisions at the top are going to decide the future and the history of college football, not us. Yeah. So that's what Mike Gundy said. What did you think about that? I, um, I heard it, and then I played it again, and then I played it a third time because he's right, and you could tell he's, he's been mad about this, but he was very measured in a public setting. But he's, he almost seemed exhausted when he was saying it, didn't he? It was almost like he's, he's just repeating what he sat around the dinner table or around a chalk talk session with buddies or fellow coaches, and he said a million times already. It, it just becomes so pointless to try and relitigate it because, like he just said, you realize I'm not in charge. Sometimes you get to feeling like your voice really doesn't matter. Now, what Mike Gundy spelled out was there was tradition and there were certain threads woven into our sport that could not remain as the texture of college football 
if big business truly wanted to take it over. And the way I look at it, it's not an apples to apples, but the way I always looked at it, the way I've always explained it to you guys, my simple mind always thought about college football as a natural preserve, a nature preserve. Right in the middle of downtown Nashville, we had a nature preserve. And we all knew as we drove by that nature preserve that if true market forces that run things like Major League Baseball or the NBA, if we really allowed this sport to ever operate on the same level as those sports, the nature preserve would be wiped out and destroyed immediately. If we allowed that nature preserve to operate under the same city code that everything around it operated under, they'd plow it down in two seconds and build a high rise on it. Because that's what surrounds it. So what would stop that from looking the same way? What stops it is a group of people saying, no, we like this patch of land over here. We are going to agree as a civil society, as a collection of people, a community, to treat this one patch over here different. College football was that for a long time. It turns out we were always on borrowed time. Now, I know if you talk to, you know, if you talk to your, your 75-year-old great uncle, he would tell you this happened a long, long, long time ago. And yes, there's always been change in college football. There's always been upheaval. There's never been a 30-year fixed period in our sport where everything looked the same. I understand that. But I think we can all agree there have been far more violent, earth-tilting changes happening kind of, kind of congruent with each other over the past three or four years. Feels like the past three or four months, really. A lot of it's really ramped up than we've seen at any period. I mean, there's, there's been more permanent change in this sport in the past few years than there were the past couple of decades. We just changed. We, if you think about it, we changed some cosmetic things about the sport over the last 15 years, a lot more so than foundational. We're changing the foundation now. There's, there's, like Mike Gundy said, no going back on some of this stuff. The nature preserve was finally looked at by the folks who built the rest of the city. And they looked at it and said, you know how much that land's worth? If we cultivate it the right way, if we develop it the right way, you know how much that land's worth? And so here we sit, you and me, like Fern Gully, the college football edition, just hoping our trees get saved. And here come the bulldozers. And I think we all remember how Fern Gully ended. I don't want to recount it. I don't want to cry on air. That's not why I'm here tonight. I'm just here to tell you what Mike Gundy said was true. Okay, so, so it really probably does not do much good for us to chain ourselves to the trees. They're coming down. They don't really care about us. Michael Jackson. But what I will say moving forward is there's going to be a college football. There's going to be a very attractive product. There's going to be a really fun product. It just may take some getting used to. But what Mike Gundy doesn't know that I don't know, that you don't know, that, that Greg Sankey doesn't know, he's going to speak in Atlanta tomorrow morning at SEC Media Days. I doubt he even knows what the future looks like because everybody's still walking through the fog. The tornado's still in progress. We, we can't do a damage assessment. We don't know. But there's a lot that used to be cyclical that's now just permanent. I really wonder if we could just hit the fast forward button, if we could take a peek 10 years down the road and everything presumably is settled, how enjoyable is the product? I think there are two very different routes we could take. Like if this thing's managed correctly, there's no doubt we're going to lose some stuff we love. If it's managed correctly, it still could be a wildly entertaining, wildly fun product to watch. Just a different looking product. But there's another route we could take where you... you you, you basically strip away everything that was attractive about it. And you take out all the local mom and pops and chain restaurants come in and take over. And I know we're hitting on a lot of other uh, socioeconomic themes here, but that's the way it is. Bruce Hornsby. That's the way it is. How many artists can I shout out in one ad-lib segment? Let's just see. Um, the point is, 
I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to feel when I don't fully know how I feel. That's about as real as I can be with you. I don't know how I feel about it yet. I know I love the sport. I know it's been my favorite forever, and I hope always will be my favorite forever. I haven't been any happier than some of you have been. I've heard some other folks. Yeah, I listened to Joel Klatt the other day talk about how he loves where we're headed. He thought it was necessary. Um, he thinks that in time, everyone who loves college football will come to appreciate it. I'm man enough to say I hope he's right. I hope I'm wrong on that. I hope he's right. I, I have my doubts, but man, I hope he's I appreciate the optimism. I'm happy to share the optimism, um, but mine's a little more guarded, I would say. So I just wanted to play that from Mike Gundy. Uh, before I head out of here tonight, uh, let me remind you of some things. So as you've seen, and as I've told you on this show, this channel's ours now. It wasn't a hostile takeover, but it's ours now. And there is a new 24-7 channel. And uh, Cooper Patagna, or as he's known on this show, Cooper Patania, actually is probably sitting right through that wall right now. He's in town. They're doing a bunch of stuff tomorrow. The entire rankings council. So let me tell you what's coming tomorrow. I would highly advise you to subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. So here's what's happening. Busy Monday. I'm going to be in Atlanta, but here in Nashville, you've got the new 24-7 rankings drop tomorrow. There was a rankings drop. Uh, the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel will have a lot of this. 10 a.m. Eastern time. There are going to be 11 new five stars revealed. That'll be 10 a.m. on the channel. At noon Eastern, they will reveal the top 32. Big question there, of course, is Arch Manning still number one? I've been a big Dante Moore guy. They lock the door. I bang on the rankings council door. They won't let me in. Is Arch Manning still going to be number one? Uh, that, that we will find out tomorrow. Also, this is one I'm excited about. So Preps to Pros is a, is a concept show that became a Twitter show that is now becoming a full YouTube show. It's with Cooper Tegna. It's with Andrew Ivins. I think those two complement each other very well. You know we don't give many endorsements out around here. That is a product that if you value kind of a balance between the evaluation and the inside scoop, which is all you need to cover recruiting, those two have as perfect a blend as anybody else I see in the industry right now. It's an underserved aspect of the industry, quite frankly. So that show will begin airing on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. So there's a lot coming. I mean, yeah, I think I got it all. Subscribe to that channel. It's a very good compliment to our channel. And there's a lot coming on there. That's really scratching the surface of what they have down the road. I am privy to some of that information, but I'll let them share it with you. So big day tomorrow. We're going to be in Atlanta. Now, what I cannot tell you yet is exactly what time we're going live. Professional, I know. That's the world we live in. But I believe they got a set up at the Hall of Fame there. So somewhere in the pre-evening, as I'm told it's called, 5, 6, 6.30 Eastern, somewhere around there, we'll go live. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, probably going to have some pretty interesting interviews that you'll want to catch. That's all I can tell you, but that's all I know. But uh, until then, catch us all week. Subscribe to the channel, like the video. For producer Jesse, for director Colin, and our entire crew, I'm Josh Bate. Have yourselves a great start to your week, and God bless. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.